I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many yeah, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back once again, everybody, to The Podcast Was Good, a podcast by the Crimson Quarry uh, Network. As always, I am your host... As always, I'm joined by Austin. Austin, how are you doing this fine uh, November evening? Not doing half bad, man. I mean, college basketball's back, football's in full swing. It's just kind of a, a nice time to to be a sports fan, to you know, be doing what we do. Uh, it has been a great time to sit back because it has been really cold outside, as both of us experienced firsthand Saturday. Uh, sit back, watch some of the, watch the Champions Classic last night, watch some, uh, some college football, as you said. It is a great time to be a sports fan. Uh, we have a lot to talk about, and unfortunately, as I'm sure all of you are aware, not much good right now. Um, at least not in the most immediate news. Before we dive too deep into that, as always, if you guys can, uh, if you aren't already, subscribe, leave a rating and review. You know, you guys know uh, how much it helps us. We appreciate it greatly. I won't go too long on that um, because we have a lot to talk about. And obviously we have to start with the kind of bombshell that dropped on uh, yesterday as we're recording this on Tuesday that uh, Michael Penix is done for the year. Um, I'll start first. Just what was your kind of immediate reaction when you, uh, when you saw the news? I, I mean, my initial reaction was probably the same reaction as a lot of people that it was really, really awful news. Um, obviously you don't want to see any player, uh, lose their season to an injury, but when it's your quarterback, and it's not just any quarterback. It's probably the best quarterback that the Hoosiers have had since Nate Sudfeld. Uh, I mean, I've said this before, possibly the most talented quarterback the Hoosiers have had since Antoine Randall-L. Uh, that's a pretty big hit to take. Um, I go really in-depth on kind of my initial reaction and kind of the way that I'm looking at it now in – a column that I have up on the site, so feel free to go check that out. But my initial reaction wasn't great. It was just a big bummer. I mean, it's hard to to look at this season and make the argument that IU has kind of been snake-bitten historically, but even in the best year this program has had, we've talked all about kind of the history of how good this team is, uh, the rate they're winning. Even for how good all of that has been. Um, this sucks. Like, this this feels like another kind of curse to a certain degree. Um, and Penix looked fine on Saturday to the naked eye. He, was, he still had the same zip on his passes. Um, nothing appeared any different. 
Um, my buddy I was with didn't even realize he went out of the game until uh, a couple possessions into the second half. Um, because nothing, there wasn't like a big play or anything where it seemed like he got hurt, which is why it was, to me, just really surprising and just a really big bummer to get the news um, that he'd be out for the year. Officially, um, the injury is to his right sternoclavicular joint. Uh, clavicular? I'm not sure how you say that. Basically what it is, though, I talked to a friend of mine who is a physical therapist. It's where your collarbone attaches to your sternum. Um, now, he said that this, for a quarterback, this could be what has bugged him for a lot of the season. Um, they never were very specific, I don't think, on the injury he was kind of missing time with. Um, if I, I want to say they, they called it a shoulder injury a couple times. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that's not a whole lot different where that, where the injury was. So, um, that could be what has hampered him all year. I, I mean, I kind of hope so because I, I hope this is what fixes it. Um, because I want him back and healthy. Um, I will say, this does raise some concerns that we've talked about a little bit about the fact that this is now, he's played two seasons. He's had two different season ending injuries. Does it worry you at all that I don't want to say he's made of glass, but does it worry you at all how kind of injury prone he's been through these first two years? I think that any logical person would be at least a little bit worried about that. Um, I also think that you need to factor in the fact that usually you, you see a lot of these college athletes come in and between their freshman and sophomore years, they'll really bulk up. Um, you, you've seen it a lot, uh, especially with the IU basketball program when they were like tweeting out all of these pictures of the kids like between their freshman and sophomore years, just over the off season, all the, the gains they've gotten and it's between that freshman and sophomore year where they get like the full off season from, you know, January through to, you know, uh, June, July, whatever. You see guys bulking up and, and that's what stops these guys, especially in a contact sport from football, from suffering all of these different injuries. You know, you can take it when you have more muscle. You're, you're more prepared to be in an, an environment like that. And Michael Penix didn't really get that, I don't think, between his first and second years on campus because he was still rehabbing his ACL tear. So I think that he kind of came into this season a little behind the eight ball in terms of his durability, and that really put him at a disadvantage, and that's why we've seen him struggling with the injuries uh, so far this season, and I guess, well, th throughout the entire season now that he's out. But I, I think that this time around things will be a little different. Um, in a press release, Tom Allen was quoted as saying that, you know, this offseason, Michael Penix is going to get bigger, he's going to get stronger, he's going to get more durable. So I'm thinking that maybe this won't be the same as his knee injury where he didn't really get a chance to bulk up over the offseason, and this will be more of a thing where it'll keep him out through the rest of the season, but hopefully once 
the Hoosiers get to the heart of the offseason and they're lifting and, you know, they're developing as athletes, they're developing, you know, their muscle, they're developing that stuff, Penix will be involved and maybe he'll come back and he'll finally hit his stride in his third year on campus and he'll stay healthy the, the whole time. That's what you have to hope for if you're a Hoosier fan. It's an interesting point. I hadn't thought a lot about it. It makes sense, the, just the bulking up and the the – kind of building a base and getting used to kind of the physicality of college football. Um, and you're right, he didn't have that. He was rehabbing last season. It's hard to get an idea. I don't think that they gave a recovery time um, in the press release. It's any kind of search um, gives you mixed results, basically. We don't exactly know what he had. Surgery on it. I don't think it was necessarily dislocated. I we don't know the details. It's hard to get an idea of how long the recovery will be. Obviously, it's long enough that they've ruled him out for the year. But yeah, the hope is he can make a recovery, not just a full recovery, but a recovery quick enough that he can get in the gym and start building up just kind of his base, like you said, and get some of that durability because he's shown all the flashes. Um, to get us excited and, and to get fans excited about IU football. And if he can just stay on the field, uh, Slick pointed out in our Slack that he only finished one Big Ten game this season, the Michigan State game, and that was by far the best game of his career, um, albeit a short career. But that's the type of guy that we have, and we need him on the field uh, moving forward. The fortunate thing that we've talked a ton about this year um, he saved this IU season. We've said multiple times now, Peyton Ramsey has been there to, to bail us out. And, um, now it's a lot more than just bailing out a game. I don't necessarily say bail out a season because he's been falling out, but where's your confidence level, um, at with Peyton Ramsey taking charge of this team out right now? I think that plain and simple, I'm I'm confident in Peyton Ramsey. Um, I touch on it a lot in that piece that I mentioned before that's up on the site. Uh, I, I, Peyton Ramsey, I am more than willing to eat crow. I've been vocally uh, a, a detractor of Peyton Ramsey's. I, I didn't think he was any good. Uh, turns out it was Mike DeBoard. Uh, Mike DeBoard was very, very bad. Um, Peyton Ramsey under Kalen DeBoer has been pretty darn good. Uh, he's completing 72% of his passes, which is is pretty wild. Uh, I was, there was a stat that came out earlier today. We were just talking about it, where you know it, if his career ended right now, he would be the Big Ten's career record holder in completion percentage, I believe. Yep. By two percentage points. Yep. That's he completes a lot of passes, and he's got nine touchdowns so far this year. He's he's pretty hot. Uh, he played a really good game against uh, against Maryland, and then he played the best game of his career against Nebraska. And it, it, he's kind of at a point right now where, okay, Peyton Ramsey's the guy. Let's roll. I I'm right there lockstep with you about eating crow. Um, I've said it a couple times on here. I will continue to say it. I was wrong about Peyton Ramsey. And I was very outspoken about it. Um, what I should have been more outspoken on was 
how bad DeBoard was because, as you said, this has looked like an entirely different quarterback um, from last year to this year. I'm, I mean, this is probably just still me holding on to what I saw last year and whatnot. I'm still a little hesitant. There are some more limitations with Peyton Ramsey than with Penix. Um, I'm not as confident that we can take a game from Penn State or Michigan, especially because, unfortunately, it seems like Michigan has started to figure some things out the last about month. Um, if we could have played them the about the time we played Ohio State, that would have been a lot better. But um, they seem to have started to figure things out. I'm not as certain about um, winning either of those games. He is going to be more than capable enough to help us or to lead us into the Purdue game where at the rate Purdue is going, one of us might be playing quarterback for them. Um, and then who knows with the bowl game. It's kind of matchup dependent, but for the most part, he's been the guy that's gotten us to this bowl game. Um, as you mentioned, he had the two, he was the quarterback of the two biggest wins of the season at Maryland and at Nebraska. Um, so he definitely has proved it. Maybe it's still me underselling him to not give us a, a ton of a chance against Penn State or Michigan. I've been wrong about him many times. I, I may continue to be wrong about him. I would, I would love to be wrong about him and for us to, to hang with Penn State and, and Michigan and try to steal one of those games. Um, I want to talk a little bit more about how much DeBoer helps this offense. I mean, this doesn't even see, there's a lot of guys back from last year's offense and this offense is night and day um, from where it was last year. I mean, do you put most of that uh, or give most of that credit to DeBoer? I give a whole bunch of it to Kalen DeBoer because, I mean, you just, just watching the Indiana offense for the last two years and then watching it this season is just, it's a completely different experience. I mean, under Mike DeBoer, you're watching the Indiana offense and you might fall asleep if, you know, you, you aren't careful. It, yep. It's just, it's not, it, it wasn't great. Uh, I, I mean, he was running Peyton Ramsey up the gut multiple times in a game, if not multiple times in a drive, which that's not great. Uh, great. Uh, it, it didn't work and he did it anyway. And it's it just, you see Kalen DeBoer being more creative, being more, uh, he does a better job of, of mixing things up. He does just, uh, his system is just, it, it's, it's flat out better, um, for the way that this team for the personnel that this team has, for the way that the Hoosiers operate. I think that it can't be understated how big Kalen DeBoer's impact has been uh, on this Hoosier team, period. Just kind of comparing the guys we had both ways, you really, your only losses um, are guys who, who aren't contributing this year like they did last year. I mean, Mike Majet, uh, Jay Sean Harris, and there was one other receiver who I lost. Um, I guess Reese Taylor, technically, he's on defense. Oh, Luke Timian. Um, those three guys are out, but I mean, the receiving core was 
been incredible this season. They have a ton of talent. They had that talent last year. DeBoer is, has done a terrific job of getting them the ball and letting them make plays. Um, a ton of those kind of bubble screens, um, a ton of crossing routes, quick hits, stuff like that where you just get them the ball and let them try to, to get the guys to get you yards, um, which has worked. Uh, we are averaging about five more pass attempts per game than last season and roughly the same rushing attempts, but way up in, or up in passing yards, a little down in rushing yards. They basically are going through the air and using the wide receiving core that is, like I said, incredibly deep to get them to, uh, to make the plays. And because of that, I'm, I mean, I'm still optimistic about what this team can do. Um, because they have so many skill players, even without Penix. I mean, Ramsey has done superbly this season. There's four games left. Uh, regular, or well, no, that includes a bowl game, excuse me. There's four games left. They need to win two of them to get to nine win Deanna. Do you think, uh, do you think it's all plausible to get there? I think it's very much on the table. Uh, I mean, like you said earlier, a lot of it will depend on the matchup that the Hoosiers get in the bowl game. But I, I would like to think that the bowl game will be against the team that's at least of, of similar talent, um, of similar resume. So I, I would say that that should be a winnable game. Um, I'm more or less writing off. Penn State, I don't think it's going to happen. Um, I didn't think it would happen with Penix either, to be fair. So um, that's just a good football team, and you're going on the road to a tough environment. So the other three, though, I'm not writing off Michigan yet because you look at what Indiana did against Michigan last year with a Mike DeBoard offense, and Indiana was in that game relatively until the end. Uh, I, I mean – if you look at the final score, it doesn't exactly look like it, but when Michigan kicked that field goal with two and a half minutes left, that was really what makes the score look like it was. It was a one-score game all the way until the two-minute, 37-second mark. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that you know Peyton Ramsey played well, and the, the Hoosiers were in the game against Michigan last year. This team's better than that team. This year's Michigan team is interesting, uh, to say the least. They they are kind of figuring things out, like you mentioned, but I don't think that this year's Michigan team is as good as last year's Michigan team, and it's in Bloomington. So, you know what? I, I, weird things could happen. I think that Indiana could take that game. We might be looking at 10 Indiana, not 9 Indiana. I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think that... Ten wins is on the table still. Um, honestly, I'm, I'm pretty optimistic about this team going down the stretch. And listen, that was going to be the last. The last point I was going to make is basically the the point you were kind of making is that if any team at this point deserves our blind optimism, it's this football team. Um, they have proven this season they're capable of winning these games. They're just absolutely drubbing the teams they should. 
They're going on the road and winning games against teams that are uh, that they're better than. And this is a good team. And unfor- unfortunately, this is a- another bye week because, man, with the way they're playing right now, I just want to keep the games coming along. Um, but, I mean... I think at the end of the day, if I had to, if I had to pick, I, I would say nine win Deanna's still in the cards, and I, I mean, I'm gonna throw my blind kind of blind optimism behind them. Like, this is a fun team. Um, I usually throw that optimism behind them regardless. It just usually ends with a demoralizing loss, roughly about this time of the year, that takes the wind out of the sails and we go on to basketball season. But, um. Especially with the basketball team the way it is, football is going to remain my number one focus, and I'm excited about what the last three weeks of the season and then what the bowl game will bring us because there's this team's a lot of fun, um, and I'm I'm just excited. I think nine Indiana is still on the cards. I'm not going to jump all the way to ten Indiana with you, but um, just the fact that we can even talk about we can talk about the bowl game we have coming up and there's still three more games left in the season. Like even that, I know we talked about it last week. That, that is still wild to me. Like I I don't think I'm going to get used to that this season. So um, that alone should be reason to to get behind this team. Um, We'll talk briefly about the game on Saturday. We both were there. Um, I thought it was a, a pretty good atmosphere. It's probably the most fans I've seen, at an IU game that wasn't against like Michigan or Michigan State or one of those schools, like it was a fairly decent crowd. It wasn't sold out. Really wasn't even that close, unfortunately. I can't really blame people because it was cold as hell. Um, I'll just kind of briefly. What was your one big takeaway from this win? The Northwestern offense is so bad. <laughs> it's yeah. so brutally, terribly bad. Mick McCall should be tried for war crimes. He, I just, I don't know how else to describe what we had to watch when Northwestern trotted its offense out there. It, it just, it was terrible. Absolutely godforsaken, awful. That's my one big take. I hope I never have to watch an offense ran by Mick McCall again. My favorite play of the night was the multiple lateral play at the end of the first half that ended with a (laughs) incredible flip directly to a defensive tackle. Um, That everything about that was just so great. Uh, I literally was cackling in my seat at that play. Um, that offense, 199 yards on 59 plays. That's 3.4 yards per play. Um, <laughs> that was a terrible offense. The uh, Indiana didn't have any trouble at all on the night. Their defense honestly wasn't, for where they were ranked in S&P, I wasn't that impressed. Like, they committed either three or four defensive pass interference penalties in the end zone just repeatedly. It was hilarious. Um, outside of 
defensive pass interference being IU's best play. My other big takeaway, Stevie Scott continues to be really good. Uh, he had a really slow start to the year. I think we talked about it a little bit. I think that slow start mirrored the offensive line's slow start. They struggled early in the year. They have gotten back on track now, and so has he. And after that slow start, um, he's back on pace for a 1,000-yard season. Uh, he rushed for, trying to do some quick math, 118 yards through the first three games. Uh, but he has 164, 108. He had 68 against Nebraska and then 116 against Northwestern. He had three touchdowns against Northwestern. Uh, Big Ten Offensive Player of the Week, I believe. Um, I, he's back on track. That's big for IU to have a, a running threat like that. Um, that's all we're talking about that game. We absolutely... I'm 100% in agreement with you. I do not want to watch a Northwestern offense again. That was dreadful. Uh, as we said, there's no game next week, so we're going to take a quick break and do a little bit of a roundup of some of the other sports going on um, in Bloomington. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not as um, simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. So, um, there are a couple things, a couple different places we want to stop. We're going to start with basketball, but we are not starting with Archie Miller's team. We're going to talk about the good basketball team in Bloomington, uh, Terry Morin's team, who opens the year ranked number 24, um, and they open the season tonight, uh, as you're listening to this, Thursday night um, against Mount St. Mary's. This is... Going to be a really fun season. Uh, the exhibition on Sunday, they put up 109 points, which exhibition, sure, whatever. Uh, this is shaping up to be a really good team. I want to start off first talking about this team with the star of the team, Allie Patberg. She's on the Wooden Award preseason watch list, and she is on the Naismith Trophy preseason watch list. Uh, talk to me a little bit about uh, Allie Patberg and what fans can expect from her. Allie Patberg is, when she arrived in Bloomington, she was kind of deemed the, the heiress to Tyra Buss's throne in terms of, of running Indiana's offense, um, being the point guard, being the player kind of in that way. And she hasn't disappointed in the slightest, really. I, I mean, last season, I believe was her first season, um, after her transfer where she really came in and she was starting and she, had the reins completely and she dropped 16 points a game. You know, she averaged five rebounds. She, she had a lot of assists. She was shooting the ball well. She, she just kind of did everything that you wanted her to do or expected her to do. Uh, she was really good for the Hoosiers, uh, commanding things from the backcourt. She, and she should take another step this year, which is really exciting because she was already really good last season. 
Yeah, she basically averaged 16-5-5 five and five last year. Um, she's going to be a ton of fun to watch. Um, but she is most certainly – she's also only a junior, so multiple years, uh, a redshirt junior, multiple years of her. Um, but she is not the only one that there is to watch. Uh, I believe it was six players scored in double figures between 10 and 20 points. It might have been more than that, actually. A lot of girls scored between double figures in the exhibition game. I'll pull that up quickly, but how, th- this team is going to have an identity of being a deep team this year, right? Yeah, definitely. They, they should be a very deep team, and I think that speaks a lot to what Terry Moore has done in recruiting, um, in working the transfer market. She's done a terrific job. Uh, if you want to look at who she brought in as a transfer, uh, just look at Allie Patrick's deputy. Brenna Wise, they came in at the same time, they developed together, they both took the court for the Hoosiers for the first time last year together, and Wise has been tremendous as well. I mean, last season she averaged 12 points, uh, seven rebounds, just she did a good job of shooting the ball in the front court. You know, she, if, if you want to make a very lazy comparison, uh, you could say that Allie Patrick and Brenna Wise more or less replaced Tyra Buss and Amanda Cahill, which wasn't expected to be an easy thing to do. Um, and they've done it really well. So you have those two running the show as your, you know, your upperclassmen leaders, your senior leaders. I, I realize that Patrick is a redshirt junior, but she's been around long enough. She has enough experience. She could be a senior. But then you've also got a really good junior class. In, you've got Jalen Penn who was the program's first five-star recruit. She's a junior now. She's ready to rock and roll. She she should be a huge player. She should be a, a very key piece of this team. You've got Bendu Yaney, who's coming off of an Achilles tear, but when she's at full health, she could very well be a very, very good defensive stopper, one of the better ones in the nation. Uh, she's just a really, really good athlete. Um, you've also got Kiana Worthen, who hasn't gotten as much time as Bendu and Jalen, but you can see that there might be something there where she could be a contributor. And then you've also got last year's freshman class who have now had a full year to develop in Grace Berger and Alexa Gulbay, who were both big contributors last year. Uh, Berger was a five-star recruit out of Louisville. Um, she's, she was great last season in the backcourt. Uh, she did have a few freshman things as freshmen do. But they, they were both terrific, and I would expect them to play a lot of minutes this season. And then look at this freshman class that Terry Morin's brought in, and it's a good one. Terry Morin brought in two five-star recruits. Mm-hmm. Three years ago, this program hadn't brought in one. She brought in two in the same class. Jory Allen from Bedford North Lawrence High School. Uh, she was Miss Indiana Basketball. Now she's a Hoosier. Five-star recruit, um, one of I think she was ranked 52nd in the nation out of the entire senior class by uh, ESPN. And then right behind her, you've got Mackenzie Holmes. Uh, she was Gatorade Player of the Year in Maine, and she was ranked 53rd in the class by ESPN. Those are two players who should be able to come in and play right away. Two players to be really excited about. They're the future of the program, but they should be the present as well. Uh, they're both really good. Jory Allen is fantastic. Um, I'm sure that maybe some locals have seen her. She's been to multiple state championships. Really good player. And then alongside those two, 
You've also got two more Indiana All-Stars. You've got Shayla Beeler, a guard from Warren Central High School who was highly touted, one of the best players in the state of Indiana. She was actually one of the finalists alongside Jory Allen for that Miss Indiana Basketball Award. That's nothing to, you know, slouch about. And then you've also got Hannah Novorowski. She was an Indiana All-Star as well. Uh, and then, to top things off, you've also got Ariel Wisney. She was a three-star recruit per ESPN. And I just, I can't state how well Terry Morin has done over the last handful of years. Um, I just, there's a lot to be excited about with this team. If you can't tell, I know that I probably sound really excited, and it's because I am. This team is going to be good. Yeah, a couple couple points I want to build on there. Um, yeah, they were 52nd and 53rd. I looked it up as you were talking, uh, the two five-stars this year. Um, first point is that this team only has one senior, uh, which is Brenna Wise, um, which means this group is going to be together for basically two years. Um, that is, that alone should make you really excited, especially considering this is a team that is already ranked. Um, so the sky's kind of the limit in that regard. And then the other thing I was going to mention, uh, seven girls scored between 10 and 20 points in the exhibition and an eighth scored nine points. So this team is going to be really deep. They're going to be a lot of fun. Uh, only one person in that game. Again, exhibition, don't want to take a ton away. Only one person played uh, 30 minutes. Uh, nine, ten girls played between 15 and 30 minutes. So this is going to be a team that can come at you in waves. Um, this is a really deep team, but a te- also a team with a lot of talent. It should be a really fun year. They, Like we said, they start the year... Um, tonight, Thursday, at home against Mount St. Mary's. Then they're home Sunday against Nichols State. Uh, there's honestly no reason you guys shouldn't get out there for a game. Tickets are dirt cheap. I think they're, uh, the website lists them between 4 and $7. Um, I know the exhibition was free to get into. And... These games are on BTN Plus as is, so they're hard to find on on or uh, on TV. So get out and support them. This should be a really fun team this year. Uh, we'll end this this segment on this. What what kind of expectations should this team have this year? Well, coming into the season last season, they won a uh, NCAA tournament game. I, I think a fair expectation would be to match that. Um, finish top five in the Big Ten, not have to worry about whether or not you're going to get in. Know that you're going to get in. Just worry about seeding, maybe win a game. Maybe if the bracket breaks your way, maybe this is a Sweet 16 team. That's not out of the question, which is pretty cool, honestly, because this team hasn't had that a lot in the past. This program hasn't had that a lot. Um, we're going to find out, though, what this team is really made of, how competitive they'll actually be with some of the better teams in the nation, because Terry Morin actually has put together a pretty good non-conference schedule. November 22nd, they hit the road to play the Florida Gators in Gainesville. That should be a good test. They go down to the U.S. Virgin Islands. They'll play South Carolina and Baylor, two of the premier programs in the nation. 
So that'll be a good barometer of where the Hoosiers are at. They also go down to Coral Gables. They play Miami. They also go on the road to play a decent-ish Butler team. They'll also host UCLA, who I believe is ranked. So maybe, you know, we can reevaluate this in December-ish after the non-con. But right now, I don't see any reason why the Hoosiers shouldn't be a top five team, maybe a top three team in the Big Ten. And they, depending on the bracket, could be gunning for a Sweet 16 spot. Yeah, this is going to be a team that is going to, as you said, kind of figure out where they're at. Um, Baylor's ranked number two in the preseason poll. They'll play them and South Carolina in the Paradise GM. South Carolina's number eight. And then uh, UCLA is number 11. So, at the at the sake of taking a shot at the men's team, this is what we wished the men's team would be right now, um, from the top down, from the way the roster's created, from what Terry Morin's done recruiting, and from what this schedule looks like. Like this is uh, Florida's receiving votes; they very well could be um, ranked by the time IU plays them. So you're looking at either three or four, uh, or Miami's ranked two. So four or five um, ranked teams are going to play a non-conference schedule. That's a tremendous for what this team is and what they want to become. So a lot of fun this for this team. Um, I too am excited uh, for for what or to watch this team. Um, and see what they're going to be able to do this year and next. We're only going to talk very briefly about the men's game because I could not watch it, and I don't think you did either because it was on BTM Plus, and the replay was at, uh, I think, 8 a.m. this morning, so I only saw a box score. I think that's all you saw. What's your takeaway from that box score, Austin? Um, Cooper Bybee played... That means it was a blowout. Hoosiers won. Uh, that's all I need to know. I'm going to be real honest. I didn't know who Cooper Bybee was. I thought you were referencing someone on a Western Illinois team. Um, yeah, the Justin Smith had 24 points, and that's about all I knew from that game. As I said last week, we're not going to spend a ton of time on the basketball team until the football season's over. There's plenty of outlets to go watch that. We recommended then and do now IDS, IUS TV. I think uh, the broadcast of the game was a student, the students um, for this game. So if you get a chance, go back and watch it. Listen to some of the students call the game. Last thing, save the best for last because... IU has a Big Ten champion this fall. Uh, the men's soccer team made it interesting a bit, but uh, they go to East Lansing last Sunday and win 1-0 over Michigan State. Uh, first, tell me a little bit about how that uh, that game played out, Austin. Well, it, it was a game. It, it was pretty close. Um, Indiana got the win virtue of a penalty kick in the 29th minute and uh, Jack Mayer cashed it in. Uh, honestly, if I was going to pick a player to score the goal to win the Big Ten championship, 
Jack Mayer would be one of those outside-the-box picks because he's not a regular goal scorer, but if you need a player to step up in a big moment, he's that guy. He, We've talked about him a little bit here on the pod, but he's just a tremendous soccer player, and he got that opportunity, and he cashed it in. Um, now, defensively, Indiana played pretty solid um, because – they tied in shots. It was 10-10. MSU got a few looks on goal. They 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 could have leveled it, but the defense held up. Roman Celentano played stout in the goal. So, honestly, where we've talked about how Indiana's been able to just get at opponents offensively and just tear them apart in attack, this was more of a defensive win. This was much more on brand for the IU program, uh, where – it's usually all about keeping that donut up on the scoreboard and maybe finding a goal here or a goal there. Um, overall, good win. Uh, anytime you can lift a trophy, it's a good win. Yeah, I mean, we talked a lot this season, and I really don't think you can overstate what an accomplishment it is for uh, Yeagley and his team to – or Yeagley and his staff to get this team to where it is, considering all they lost last season. Um to basically have an entire new starting 11 and drop one conference game all season long uh, is remarkable. This team has been up and down, but a lot of fun to watch. Honestly, it's, it's I don't want to say more encouraging, but it is encouraging to see, as you said, them kind of grind out a 1-0 result um, on the road against uh, a program that's usually fairly decent. Um, in Michigan State. Um, so that was encouraging. And like you mentioned, Jack Mayer had all kinds of awards this week. Uh, he was in the top drawer soccer team of the week. Um, he was the Big Ten defensive player of the week. Uh, the, he, uh, like you said, he deserves it. This team deserves it. Um, this was a really fun team. But now we get into the nitty-gritty of of the season as we enter the postseason. Uh, the Big Ten Tournament kicks off, um, I guess, officially on Saturday. Uh, Ohio State and Rutger play. Um, I believe they play at um, Bloomington. I'm blanking on the field. Jerry Yeagley Field. Um and then Ohio State meets the winner the next day, Armstrong Stadium. I don't know why I remember Jerry Higley Field and not Armstrong Stadium. Uh, they play uh, Rutger and Ohio State play in the play-in game. And then Indiana plays the winner the next day. Uh, for reference, Indiana beat uh, Ohio State, I believe, 5-1. to one, And Rutger 3 nothing. Um, so... I don't foresee there being an issue there. The more intriguing storyline is that should they win, they will go into the semifinal, which will be at College Park, where there is a fairly decent chance they will meet Maryland, who is in the 4-5 game uh, against Northwestern. They're technically the 5 seed. Um, we talked a little bit a couple weeks ago about the Maryland being down, but then Indiana went and lost to them, so... Um, Maryland's capable of pulling off an, an upset. Um, I guess technically that'd be an upset there. So 
could be interesting to see them play Maryland at Maryland to get maybe a little bit of, re- of revenge. And then, uh, so the IU's first game will be on Sunday. Then they will play the 15th, which is next Friday, I believe. Um, and then the championship game is on Sunday. So a lot of exciting soccer coming up. Uh, who do you predict as the Big Ten tournament champion? I know we'll be able to talk a little bit more about this next week, but I'm put you on the spot here. Are the Hoosiers going to do the sweep on this? Yeah, I think that Indiana's the best team in the conference. Um, obviously that, that semi matchup with Maryland is intriguing. Um, I, I, that match was basically the low point of the season for the Hoosiers. Um, that was the one that kind of made them sit back and kind of inspect what was wrong, who they were as a team, what they kind of needed to fix. And ever since then, they've kind of been on a roll. So, I'd be really intrigued to see how this Indiana team would perform, not just against Maryland, who was the lone Big Ten team to defeat them this season, but to do it in Maryland's house, more or less. And they would also be on BTN, and it would be this big matchup for them. So I think that the team that Indiana fans should be worried about the most is probably Maryland, which is an interesting thing to happen because you win your conference and congrats they're in your potential semifinal matchup or your, your second game of the tournament. There's the one team you don't want to see. So I, I think that Indiana's got it. Indiana's the best team in the conference. I, I do think that Maryland's an interesting matchup, but if they can get past the Terps, I don't think that there's anybody on the other side of the bracket that would really scare me. Um, obviously there are some decent teams, Michigan, Penn State, the two seed, the three seed. They're, they're good teams, but I, I think that Maryland is a little bit scarier right now. Technically speaking, IU has not won any of its last three meetings with Maryland. They lost this season, obviously lost in the College Cup. They won in the shootout in the Big Ten tournament last year in the semifinal. But technically, that goes down as a draw. Um, so it was October 12th of last year, the last time Indiana beat Maryland. Um, I'm sure everybody in that program is acutely aware of that. But like I said, we will most certainly, barring a major upset, be able to talk about that game a little bit more next week. Um, and yeah, that'll be a really intriguing one. Uh Excited to see the postseason begin and see what this young team is made of um, heading into some some bright lights in the next couple of weeks. So that'll do it for us. We will be back next week. We will talk about that um, soccer game. We'll talk a little bit about the women's basketball opener. Um, we'll see what the men's team does, whether we want to talk about it, judging by uh, how ugly it may or may not be. But uh, we'll certainly find some things to talk about for you or with you guys. Um, again, we appreciate all the support. If you guys can subscribe, leave a rating. Um, we may also do a little bit of a Q and A um, if we have enough time, depending on what we uh, 
what we have to talk about. So be on the lookout. We'll we'll tweet something out about that if we do. Um, so be sure you're following us on Twitter as well if you're not already. But um, for Austin, this is Jacob signing off. Have a great one, everyone.